What do you mean none of my business? It is my business. Look at my nose. Welcome to Cruising It, the podcast where we watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me as always is Andrew Mount. Hate to tell you this, buddy, but you have to wear clothes to work. There's a law or something. And Mason Kuzmich. Thanks, Obama. On today's episode, we are talking about The Outsiders by Francis Ford Coppola, a coming-of-age film starring C. Thomas Howell as Ponyboy Curtis and Ralph Macchio as Johnny Cade. Uh, I d- did. Had any of y'all seen this before? I think, Andrew, you mentioned you might have seen this before we watched it for Cruising It. Uh, yeah, so I watched this, uh, I, I want to say in like middle school or high school. Like we had to read the book, and then we watched the movie. Um, and then, uh, of course, I watched it once for this uh, Tom Cruise podcast that I'm doing. Well, and then yeah. We recorded a great episode, and uh, then technology made us lose it. So then I had to record it a second time, which is now. <laughs> Just sad. It was such a good episode. Yeah, I'm going to tell that story every episode hopefully, until we're recording new episodes <laughs> hopefully again. Hopefully we can recapture the, the gloriousness that was that episode. But uh, Mason, I, I think you and I, we, we had not seen this before. Yeah, I went in blind. It was uh, pretty cool actually getting to see it in theater. Though, oh, yeah. So the yeah first time we saw it, we, we got to see it in theaters, which is actually a, an interesting thing because when we saw it in theaters, we, we all three pretty much agreed it was actually a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Even though me and Mason had never seen it before, didn't really know what to expect, and I, Andrew didn't really remember it, but you know, it actually ended up being being pretty solid. And then I watched it again because I own the movie. But turns out there's two different versions of this movie. There is the original theatrical version, which is the one I own on DVD, and then there's one called The Outsiders: The Complete Novel, which is like a director's cut, which is what we saw in theaters, which is so much better. Watch the director's cut. Yeah. Boo, theatrical version. Yeah, yeah they, watch the director's cut. There's there's like 22 minutes that they cut out of of the director's cut for the theatrical, and pretty much every scene they cut out was like some of the best scenes in the movie that really fleshed the movie out, so... Yeah, I mean, I, you I know need that, all that characterization bullshit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know that like every movie during the world is like, oh, you have to watch the director's cut of the movie. But like, really, in this case, it's like they cut out all of the scenes that made up the emotional core of the movie for the main character. It makes no sense at all. Yeah, theatrical release just felt really rushed, extremely rushed. Yeah, now the the majority of director's cuts out there, I will go ahead and say, usually don't make the movie any better. They could just kind of make it longer, and you could see why the scenes were cut out. This is the exact opposite. There's these should not have been cut out at all, except for Blade Runner. The well, final cut. Watch the final cut. It's mm-hmm. the only one that matters. It's the final one. Yeah. No, I think the I think the story behind that was, uh, I believe, like some one of the studio executives or something. Like originally, the movie was about two hours long, and they said that that was too long for teenagers, which is what this was geared towards. Like they didn't have the attention span, so they cut it down to 91 minutes. And honestly, I, what teenager can't watch a two-hour-long movie? Like, that's not even that long. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. It's like every shitty movie in the world is two hours and 45 minutes these days. So I don't understand yeah. why they couldn't yeah. well, give a good film time to I guess read. it was different in the 80s. I guess two hours was a long movie in the early 80s. Francis Ford Coppola just keeps bringing us these long-ass movies. And yeah, they're great. But are they too long? Are they too good? If the movie is The Godfather, there's an entire Italy scene that makes the movie too long. But No, again, <laughs> you would be the one destroying this movie. It's the emotional core of the whole movie for Michael's character. Is it? Yes. He has to have a chance at happiness and consider it and then have it taken away from him. And he they, has no alternative, no happy alternative to the life that he's stuck in as a gangster. And they just throw it in the middle and then... It's his his happiness is taken away. There's no mourning period, and he immediately goes back to being a gangster. Well, it's because the movie <laughs> takes place over a number of years. Well, a lot of time transitions that are subtle. Anyway, anyways, that watch has the been Godfather. A- everybody, Sh- turn this podcast off right now. Unsubscribe from it. Never listen to us again. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Go oh, no. watch no. The Godfather three. Only the Godfather three. Never the first do two that. movies. Don't do that. Good Goodfellas is better. And. That concludes our episode of uh, the Francis Ford Coppola cast. Now we're going to get back to our episode of Cruising It, already in progress. Uh, So what did you guys think of The Outsiders? I thought this was fantastic. Uh, This honestly might be like a top 20 movie for me. 
Um, in fact, I think I said this last time too, like, I'm going to try my best in this because I like it really sincerely to like try to make it seriously and not just be sarcastic and make fun of stuff. Um, Cause I thought this was kind of like a really beautiful little movie with a cool message when you think about it. Yeah, no, it was, it was interesting. It had a very, uh, I was just going to say an interesting message again. You know what? Come back to me. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Just move on. Move it on. It's a good take on masculinity. <laughs> it's non-toxic yeah. masculinity in this movie. Hmm. All that, right. And then uh, with that, let's get into our discussion of The Outsiders. Upon the moment long ago One breath away and there you will be So young and carefree Again you will see That place in time So the film opens with the protagonist, Pony Boy Curtis, beginning to write the story of the film in a composition book for school. His story begins with him and his other young friend, Johnny, spending the evening with an older member of their greaser gang, Dallas. Dallas has recently been released from jail and is looking for a good time. Their evening adventures leads them to the drive-in movie, where they meet Cherry Valance, played by Diane Lane, and her friend Marsha, two girls who are members of the rival Soch gang. After Dallas offends Cherry with his crass, disrespectful behavior, Cherry strikes up a friendship with the more sweet-natured Pony Boy. After the movie, 2-Bit, another greaser played by Emilio Estevez, Johnny and Pony Boy walk home with Cherry and Marsha, but they are discovered by Marsha and Cherry's social boyfriends, the heavy-drinking Bob and his friend Randy. Livid that his girlfriend is hanging out with the greasers, Bob begins to challenge the greasers to a fight, but Cherry agrees to go with them, and the tension is relieved. For now. Oh, also, I should also mention, I forgot to mention this, Dallas is played by Matt Dillon. Yes. Yeah. A lot um, of lot of future future stars in this movie. I will say, um, not where the story begins, and th- this is another thing that's uh, very much a reason to watch the director's cut, because the story there starts with Ponyboy leaving movie theater, and getting followed by some socias and jumped, and having a knife held to his throat, and then greasers show up and fight them off, and it's great, and you actually get to see Tom Cruise for more than two minutes. Yeah, and it's actually like a really good scene that mm-hmm. sets up the whole story. It sets up that Pony Boy is like, he's a little different, he likes to to read a lot, and the streets are kind of a dangerous place for him because of all this gang stuff, but at the same time, you have your gang at your back and you're safe. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a lot of stuff gets established with that opening shot. Like, Well, first off... It shows where that cut on Ponyboy's neck comes from. That he mm-hmm. just, if you watch the theatrical cut, he just has a cut on his neck, and you're like, why? <laughs> but it shows why. It's because one of the socials put a knife to his throat and cut him a little bit. Also, with the theatrical cut, you don't really get the, like, not until like later on with the rumble that there's like that gang rivalry. Yeah. It really establishes that in that opening shot with the director's cut that, you know, there's the socials and there's the greasers. It's basically like a, you know, West Side Story situation going on here. So. And. And Tom Cruise flips clumsily off of a car, and it's great. Yes, yeah. In the theatrical cut, you only get Tom Cruise flipping off the car once. You actually get it twice in the director's cut. Another reason <laughs> you get to see him almost do a flip twice. <laughs> Doesn't quite stick the landing either time, but... Doing his own stunts. Yeah. Oh, right. Into, into what it's in, about Into what now. we actually talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of stuff... In this opening section, it's good. Um, I like, I think one of the first lines we get from Cherry is her, is she talking to Ponyboy originally? When she says it's tough all over? Yeah. Yeah. She, she, they're, they're getting into. I think that's, I think that's like when they're leaving. I think. Or like, I don't know. They. I think that was when they were like going into the, into the stall to get popcorn and oh, drinks yeah. and okay. whatever. So when they're like at the movie, she has this line where she's, you know, telling Ponyboy it's tough all over, which is. You know, I think there's some truth to that, and then also some untruth to that in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, and that their conversation also kind of establishes, you know, I don't know, like like they have they have that good thing where she says like, you know, not all socias are the same or whatever, because you know, Ponyboy just got beat up by socias, so he's like talking about that, and he's talking about how Johnny he has a cut on his face where mm-hmm. a kid with one of the socias with rings punched him and cut his face open and she's like well not all socials are like that and then she's like yeah i mean that that would be like saying all of you greasers are like dallas winston who was kind of a prick 
And Dally's not so bad and get to know him. I mean, he's pretty bad in this opening no, he, part. He has, he's pretty <laughs> yeah. bad. He's, a, he's, he's a got good creeper. moments, but not right now. Yeah, this is this is massive creeper Dally. Right after, I should mention, uh, right after the montage of them getting to the theater where they definitely chase a bunch of kids for damn near no reason. They were playing cards in his area. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's Dally's territory. You gotta ask him to play cards. You know, yeah. Be you fucking eight-year-old playing cards on the fucking turf. Mm, yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, it's just another... I like that they establish um, so many of the thematic elements early on, mm. and that you see seeds being planted in Pony Boy really early, where he starts to have a more nuanced view, and he stops just basically summing up somebody's entire character based on the family that they come from. Yeah. And yet there's still a nice emphasis there that there's just this inherent tension between classes. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a big part of that conversation we'll get to later between him and Randy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, all right, the greasers go home. Johnny expresses grief about his abusive and unstable household before Ponyboy says his goodnights. Upon arriving home at 2 a.m., Ponyboy is met with anger by his strict oldest brother, Derry, whose anger escalates into abuse. After Derry hits him, Ponyboy runs from the house, finds Johnny still asleep in a nearby park, and the two boys go for a walk. At a playground, they run into Bob and Randy, who are looking for a fight. The associates descend on Ponyboy, and Bob pushes his head into a fountain, attempting to drown him. Recognizing Bob as the Soshu slashed his face with his rings a few nights before, Johnny pulls out a knife and saves Ponyboy from drowning by stabbing Bob. Hero. Yeah, Johnny's the best. Um, <laughs> this is where we establish that Johnny is the best friend that you could possibly hope for. He will murder somebody to save you. He will run away with you at the drop of it. You just wake him up when he's sleeping, and you're just like, come on, Johnny, we're running away. And he's like, fuck yeah, let's go. I mean, I will say they do, despite the fact that you never meet any of members of his family, they do do a pretty good job of establishing how shitty of a home mm-hmm. home life Johnny has, especially like... It, really, the only two people whose home life you kind of get a glimpse into is Johnny and and uh, Pony Boys. And you know, Pony Boys isn't great either, but it's like night and day compared to Johnny's. It seems like like he he has you know brothers he doesn't get along with, but they all seem to care about each other and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's very different. Like you see very much Patrick Swayze playing a paternal role, and it's yeah. not ideal and it's not good, but it's a stable situation, and you can tell that he's. You know, you're rooting for Johnny to get away from his family in this movie, mm-hmm. but you're kind of rooting for Ponyboy to make like, his family work. Yeah. yeah. Ponyboy and his brothers, Soda Pop. Yes. And, oh, uh, yeah, Soda Pop. What those... a stupid name for a kid. <laughs> also, hey, hey, his dad was an original person. Yeah, I will mention that they do establish that those are their given names because there is mm-hmm. even a thing where Cherry's laughing at the fact that his name is Ponyboy, and he's like, oh, yeah, it says it right there on my birth certificate. So, no. Yeah. Uh, yes, the... The oldest bro- the oldest brother's name is Daryl, played by Patrick Swayze. Yes, so Ooh, Patrick Swayze. So that that's that's where the parents went. They named their first kid Daryl. Thought it was just it wasn't creative enough, so they named their next two kids Soda Pop and Pony Boy. All right, so Soda Pop, I can almost guarantee you, the dad w- they hadn't come up with a name. The dad was coming back from the vending machine. What do we name him? Uh, Soda Pop. <laughs> And then he named the next one Pony Boy, so Soda Pop didn't have to feel so damn weird. But the mom greenlit both of those names. <laughs> the mom was on so much drugs, I assume. Mm. I also should, should mention that, uh, that Soda Pop is played by Rob Lowe. And we actually uh, we actually miss another th- another scene here um, earlier before mm-hmm. uh, before the uh, movie movie scene that we uh, kind of glossed over was uh, Pony Boy and Soda Pop share a bed together and they kind of stay up and talk and it kind of... That's another really good scene that they shouldn't have cut out because it really establishes, you know, how close Soda Pop and Ponyboy are yeah. and kind of gives a glimpse and more of a glimpse into their home life because you really don't see a ton of a ton of how their home life was besides the scene where Patrick Swayze, like, almost just throws Ponyboy to the ground, which was a right. lot more violent than I remembered it when we yeah. watched it the first I thought he kind of just gave him a shove, but now he... He gets pretty pissed, and he throws him down on the ground, so, yeah. yeah. The, the other great thing about that scene is that it just kind of gives a very good... It really kind of presents the struggle of sort the, of the, growing up poor. The bed conversation, yes. not the child abuse, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, just clarify. <laughs> right. The bed conversation. It, it's very much a good glimpse into, you know, growing up poor and having to having to live like that. Hmm. 
Yeah, and it also really quickly establishes the dynamic between the three brothers that, mm-hmm. you know, Soda Pop is. He has this more tender relationship with Pony Boy, and at the same time, he's he's kind of trying to mediate, right? He's yeah, I, I forget the, exactly what he is, but he's kind of either telling him that, like, Daryl will ease up over time, or maybe trying to urge him not to give Daryl so much trouble about stuff. Yeah, but he's trying to make the family work better. It also kind of seems like, you know, Soda Pop's close with, with Derry and Pony Boy. Like, he, it, I mean, because he, he, he works with I, I think they. I think he works with Derry. I think that's what kind of what they implied. Yeah, I, I, I think so. He, he at least works with with Steve, yeah. Tom Cruise. Um, but I, I think they all work together. I'm pretty sure that's. I'm pretty sure they talk about that like a little that bit. Gas station or service station. Yeah, something like that. Probably but, they're only like five jobs in Tulsa. Well, yeah, but. <laughs> But yeah, no, it kind of kind of like, lost all of our Tulsa listeners. <laughs> actually, really, ninety percent of our Tulsa. audience. <laughs> Actually, really, you know, even uh, even Cherry mentioned Soda Pop. It kind of seems like everyone just loves Soda Pop. Soda yeah. Pop's great. He's yeah, such a, he's such a great. He's such he, a doll. Oh, I think Rob is what Lowe. you said. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, because you know, he, Cherry Cherry <laughs> mentions, you know, oh right, you're Soda Pop's brother. I, I should have known you. You weren't going to be like that, Dallas Winston, because you know Soda Pop is such a sweet guy. You're you're more like him. It's yeah. like so. Yeah, I mean, even I, I, I always got the impression that like Soda Pop wasn't really a greaser. Well, like he, I mean, like he was a greaser by association, but like you know, even the way he dresses, he dresses closer to the socias. Like you know, he dresses in like clean clothes, like clean shirts, whatever. He doesn't really sometimes he doesn't really grease his hair back like the other guys. I don't know. He just he doesn't really seem to fit in with the other greasers. I guess. Like I think we start to see, you know, we see that influence in Ponyboy probably. Yeah, you know, you can kind of see that he has this brother that he's close to and that he wants to be more like him and mm-hmm. he's a little bit different from most greasers and so Pony yeah, Boy I mean, is too. I guess I guess that, that whole family really cuz they even mentioned at one point, you know, uh Tubet says something like, you know, you know Derry wouldn't be a greaser except for us. Like he would be a soch if it wasn't for us. So it's like that that whole family I guess is kind of like they're they're greasers cuz I guess they're more on the poor side and well, everything, but like Well, they hit hard times because yeah. their parents died. And I mean kind of to bring us back into that sort of scene right before they run away, they sort of cover it, heavily imply it in the, the little dream sequence that Ponyboy has, which... Oh, the very jarring... Yeah, honestly... Train crash. Yeah. Comes off as kind of dated at this point, and I definitely laughed at the first time, which was really inappropriate. I'm pretty sure you laughed at it when we just watched it earlier, too. Yeah, no, I'm sure... Yeah. But yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> so I, I like actually, I was curious about that scene. I mean, obviously, it was a memory of happier times, and we don't get to know much about the parents. But do we think that the implication is that their family, that they're greasers because they've fallen on hard times, or do you think? I mean, if their parents were around, would they be living on the other side of the tracks? I think. I mean, I think it's kind of implied. Well, because like they talk about how Derry back in high school he used to play football and everything with the with with that other with that social that shows up at the rumble and they like you know he was friends with those guys and everything i think it's kind of implied that you know the reason why they're in such hard times right now is they lost all the financial stability of being in a good home because they were pretty much orphaned and patrick swayze kind of had to take over as like the dad and you know he's like 18 so it's like he he can't do a ton he can't do much i mean actually patrick swayze is pushing 30 and looks it but he's playing (laughs) an 18 year old um but but yeah, no, I, I, f- I feel like the that that whole family probably would not be, wouldn't associate with the greasers if if their family hadn't hadn't been torn apart like that. So okay, yeah, I like that interpretation because Pony Boy I think is meant to serve very much as sort of like a bridge between worlds. Yeah. By the end of the story, I mean honestly, if you can you can kind of tell that y'all you know, on the fringe. Like I, I mentioned how Soda Pop dresses, but honestly, the others too. Like if you look look at the way like Steve and like Two Bit dress, you know they mm-hmm. they've got like you know the the dirty jeans and like the jean jackets, and you know their their faces are usually always dirty and everything like that. But you know. Pony Boy and and Soda and uh, and Dairy, you know, they're always you know pretty clean and you know I don't know, it's just yeah. they don't they kind of seem to be like an in between. Start of the movie, Pony Boy definitely had some some greaser, especially the hair. Well, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think I think Pony Boy, I think that's kind of what you see is like you know he kind of embraces that greaser lifestyle early on, you know, because he's friends with Johnny and everything, and like he's best friends with Johnny and like looks up to to dally and all that stuff and mm-hmm. um i think i think he really like is trying to be a greaser and then you know after everything happens he kind of 
realizes that, you know, this whole thing's stupid and, you know, he kind of, I don't know, he, he even, he even kind of starts to not like grease his hair back as much and everything when they get back, like yeah. kind of like does his hair up nice and everything. So I don't know. You just, he just kind of seems like a young kid who's impressionable and just, you know, got caught up in this greaser lifestyle and yeah and it's made very explicit after they come back from the church yeah um, like you said with the hair but uh, yeah yeah but again uh, getting, getting back to the scene I'm, I'm gonna go back on something that i already went back on before when i first watched the movie when they're attacking uh pony boy and they're dunking his head in the fountain i didn't think they were really trying to kill him i thought they were just like messing with them then i watched it again i'm like oh Maybe think, maybe they are. And then when we just watch it again, they're dunking him and pulling him up and dunking him and pulling him up. I think they were just trying to mess with him, and they went a li- they got a little carried away. I don't think their intent was to try and kill him. So I could be wrong. I think one of them literally shouts drown him in the, in all of that. And uh, they may just be them being drunk. Yeah, I mean, but, I, I, yeah. I, did, I, I, didn't I feel like that, they are but, at least messing with him in a way where... It's possible to see him die. Oh like, yeah, even I'm, if you're I'm not, not trying yeah, I'm not, to kill him. I'm not think, saying. Let's I don't talk think about which degree of there. murder it would God be. God damn, let's not get into that again. But no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not defending them at all. Like right, you know, no, that's that's no. definitely a bad no, thing I mean, to I'm, do. But I, I'm saying I agree with you. Yeah. Like I still, I don't think Johnny's out of line in trying to. You know. Oh no, Johnny's 100 trying to stab them because I think it's possible that Ponyboy could get killed there. But I don't think they're trying to kill him in the moment. Yeah. And then, you know, at the, at the same thing, even if they aren't trying to kill him from Johnny's perspective, he doesn't know that. Yeah, no, Johnny right. is pure and good and just yeah. well, absolute hero. Is he though? Yes. I mean, Johnny's the best, but I think we're supposed to understand that he's not in a great place at this point in the movie. Well, that's, that's his conditions, but he himself. I mean, I'm not defending... The taking of human life but in this situation stab more rich kids it, don't do that in <laughs> in this situation it was purely self-defense so no johnny did nothing wrong in this situation right i mean I, I don't blame him in the moment but i think that if you brought johnny back to this place at the end of the movie that he wouldn't stab this guy hmm. i think he has a different view on the value of human life yeah. by the end maybe just cut him a little give him to stop <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> He just slashes Achilles tendon. Oh my god, my That'll leg! Stop him. <laughs> my eye. When Ponyboy awakens, he sees the violent scene nearby, and he and Johnny run to find Dallas for advice. Dallas tells him to take a freight train to a nearby town and hide out in an abandoned church until he figures out what they should do next. They follow his instructions and set up camp at the church, cutting and dyeing their hair, reading "Gone with the Wind" aloud, and watching the sunrise. Dallas eventually comes and finds them to bring them back, giving Ponyboy a note from his older brother, Soda Pop. Johnny says he wants to turn himself in in order to get off easier, which upsets Dallas, who doesn't want to see his young friend go to jail. After going out for lunch, the trio returns to the abandoned church only to find it on fire. A school group was looking at the church, and we learn that several children are still trapped in the church. Against the urging of the teachers and Dallas, Johnny and Ponyboy go into the burning church to save the children. Eventually, Dallas joins them, and Ponyboy manages to get a few children out and safely escape the church. Johnny is not so lucky, enduring major burns and a broken back. I just, I have to talk about this church scene again, and the fire, and why are you bringing a busload of children just to an abandoned church for a field trip? Like, is there that little in Oklahoma? Yes. Uh, Well... (laughs) Sorry, people Even who so, live in Oklahoma. Like, at least take them to Windstar or something. Like, I, dude. They're children. <laughs> Windstar doesn't care. Mm, but they do. Oh, now. And, but no, like, seriously. Yeah. School bus full of kids, take them to an abandoned church. It catches on fire, and like half of them at least are still in the building, and the principal is just like, uh, no, we got everyone, let's go. Yeah, that was kind of ludicrous. Um, <laughs> I'll say that in general, uh, I enjoyed this section a lot. Yes. Um, this is, you know, you get all these, you know, really nice montages of basically um, Johnny and Ponyboy having this opportunity to be removed from their environment. Mm-hmm. And they just get to be in kind of like a peaceful place without conflict. They get to like have a book and they read with each other and they go and they watch sunrises and they go and they look at reflections in the lake. And yeah, uh, and this uh, is really nice. The scene is quite a bit longer in the director's cut. They kind of mm-hmm. go a lot more into it. They cut, they trimmed it down a lot because this is actually the, I actually remember this when we saw it in the theater being actually a pretty pretty hefty chunk of the movie. This little section here and yeah. it did not feel that long in the theatrical one at all. I felt like it was maybe ten to twenty minutes in the theater. Mm, yeah, and it I don't know it 
it kind of felt like they had just gotten there and then they dyed each other's hair and then Dally shows up. Right. Like in the theatrical cut. So, well, and the theatrical cut seemed to me like they had that scene where they're standing at the lake and looking at their reflection or pond or whatever. And they basically, they basically say out loud everything that they're thinking. Oh yeah, we're in disguises now more or less. And I think, I think that the or the director's cut did a much better job of showing what was going on. Yeah, because versus this one that they rushed a bit more and felt like they just had to just say out loud, "Oh, and this is what's happening, and this is what's going on in our heads." Yeah, because this section actually has a couple of scenes that are only in the theatrical cut that they took out for the director's cut. There's a a random scene of them playing poker, betting cigarettes that honestly doesn't add anything to the film. I kind of liked it though. Well, <laughs> and then there's yeah, there's that scene at the lake where they're just kind of, you know, saying unnecessary things that you can already imply. So it's like, yeah, just, just watch the director's cut. Just don't watch, don't watch the theatrical. It's, yeah. it's not good. Yeah. Watch it's the director's better. cut. And you, you get so many good moments here. Like you get his, um, you know, they end up dying pony boy's hair. So he's literally looks like a soch instead of a greaser. You know, he's starting to have this transition and, you know, you have Johnny who earlier in the movie was talking about how he basically wanted to kill himself because mm-hmm. of how much life sucked. And then in this, you have the scene where they're like out. Is it a sunset or a sun? It's a sunrise that they're looking at, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have this moment where he is, he's trying to describe this feeling that it like it looks really cool, and he wishes that life could always be like this. And Pony Boy, I guess, because he's a bit more of a reader, has this Robert Frost poem, you know, on hand about mm-hmm. how nothing gold can stay and. Yeah, you know, good things don't last forever; they always go away. Yeah, that sounds really cynical. I don't think and that's the overall they, meaning of the poem, but they actually kind of have a little thing talking about this, where you know, Johnny's like, you know, yeah, I've, I've, I'm glad that we're friends. I just, I just don't, I can't see myself talking about you know sunsets and clouds and everything with everybody else. And then Ponyboy's like, yeah, I mean, it's just really you and Soda Pop, the only people I can talk. I can't talk about this stuff with with Two Bit and. And, and Steve and those guys. And it's like, it, uh, that just kind of signifies right there that, you know, Soda Pop and Pony aren't, are not really greasers. Or, and then, you know, Johnny's kind of, through Pony's boy's influence, is also kind of to realize that, you know, there's more to life than this this feud that they're going on with the socials and everything. So, yeah, it's a good point. I, um, I guess I had originally kind of, um, you know, thought about this as like, you know, Johnny is starting to have this idea that, um, Pony Boy is just better to articulate better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that you say it that way, it does kind of make sense that it's it's kind of working in reverse, too. It's like Johnny, for the first time, is, you know, so much of this, you know, Socha's and Greaser's thing is literally living on the other side of the tracks, right? It's yeah. this terrible physical segregation that we still have in this country, you know, that we have in this town that we live in that's yeah, I mean, still yeah. exists. That's, that's, that's just a physical thing. If you take somebody out of their environment, it's just suddenly he's able to change so much because of just this influence of this friendship that he has. Yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, no, I, I actually enjoyed this scene. It was a nice, wholesome, wholesome moment in bookended by two kind of violent, you know, yeah. up, kind of upsetting parts of the movie. But this this was a nice little break from that, which, right. you know, if, for them, it was a break, a break from their, like you were just saying, a break from their, their violent, you know, upbringing and, you know, bad home life and everything. So it was nice. The other thing I'll say I liked about this whole sequence is... You definitely see more of the, I want to say, good of Dallas, Dally. Mm-hmm. Like, and I hesitate to say that because the quote-unquote good of him is helping, is these two kids telling them that they killed another kid, and he's like, all right, cool, I'll hide you. Which, in the context of the movie, is great. But if you think about it, if you step back and think about it, oh, he's, yeah, no, he's just hiding. This, they, they literally just walk up and tell him, hey, we killed someone. Cool. Let's go. Yeah, I, I think you're right, though. I think we're supposed to feel that this is the better side of Dally, is yeah. that they're, they're like a family, and he doesn't hesitate to help them, even though he, you know, he's gotten out of jail recently, right? This is yeah. obviously mm-hmm. not something that would be good for him if he got caught up in it, but right. it's just not even a second thought with it. Yeah. It helps establish that, you know, he's, he's a rough guy. He's definitely kind of a violent guy and kind of a dick, but he, when it comes to people that he cares about, he's there immediately. Yeah, I mean that like really the all we've seen of Dally up to this point is him being just an asshole mm-hmm. to to Cherry and even to Soda even to sorry not Soda Pop even to Pony Boy Pony Boy and you know uh, Johnny because you know Johnny kind of stands up 
stands up for Cherry, you know, tells Dally to back off and Dally gets all pissed off and everything. He's just kind of an asshole the whole time. And, you know, that's really all you get from him. And then, you know, this happens and they show up and they're like, you know, like, you know, we, we just killed this guy. We don't know what to do. And he just like, no hesitation. He's like, no, we're, we're family. So, you know, I'm going to help you guys out. I've got your back. I'll take care of everything. And yeah, you know, the fact that he just automatically knows what to do after you murder someone <laughs> kind of shows, you know, what, where his, his life has taken him. But at the same time, you know, that I guess that's why they went to him. It's like, they knew, like he knows he'll know what to do. And he, yeah, he didn't even hesitate, you know, gave him some money, gave him a gun, which questionable, but you know, <laughs> and then just, yeah, you know, get out of town. I'll figure everything out and I'll come get you when, when everything dies down, you know, Texas, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah um but yeah no no I, I think you're right it's definitely we're seeing the the best parts of dally here um and also i think we kind of start to see his limitations too mm-hmm. um that he kind of has that capacity for like some goodness and some growth but you know when they get to the church um you know the the more i think about this the way that you said it the more it makes sense to me that um that pony boy is influencing Johnny here, you know, pony boy immediately wants to run to the church and help. Yeah. And Johnny doesn't want to, and he hesitates, but he ends up following him. Mm-hmm. And Dally kind of like, I mean, the most he can bring to himself to him. do is, is yeah, he, he can help from the outside mm-hmm. is, is what he ends up doing. And, and it does help. But at the same time, he's not able to, um, Oh, my English teacher would be so happy. He's not able to cross the threshold with them. Oh. <laughs> well, it, it did look like he went in, but only after, Johnny got hurt. Yeah, yeah. He, okay. th- that's when he rushed in was because he, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he was on the outside. He broke down the wood and then helped carry the kids outside of the church when, because Ponyboy and Johnny were hanging him through. And then he pulled Ponyboy out and then the roof collapses on top of Johnny. And that's when he rushes into the church because yeah. that's when that was enough to get him to, to, to jump into action because, you know, he, he really cares about these guys and, you know, these kids you know, it's the right thing to do to save these kids, but he didn't know these kids. So mm-hmm. that's not something he's going to put him, put himself at risk for. He'll put himself at risk for, for the people he cares about though. So, yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. I like that take on it too. Cause mm-hmm. it's, you know, you can kind of see with Johnny, how he's gone from, you know, not valuing his own life to thinking life can be cool. And there's like a straight line to like, I should help other people, you know, but with Dally, he still kind of has that, you know, he, he's always there to help them when they need help but he always has this aversion to reaching any further and sticking his neck out for anybody else. And he carries that throughout the movie. Yeah. Kind of a, kind of a demonstration of how almost how much of a problem it can be to only think of, only think of you and yours in any given situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. All right. Uh, back in town, Johnny is in the hospital in bad condition. Ponyboy is reunited with his older brothers who welcome him back with open arms, and the trio, Dallas, Johnny, and Ponyboy, are celebrated as local heroes. Meanwhile, there is a rumble planned between the Socias and the Greasers. Ponyboy manages to get his older brother, Derry, to allow him to participate since there will be no weapons used. The Greasers arrive at the lot where the rumble will be. The two gangs fight hard in the pouring rain, and the Greasers eventually win. Now, this is very um, abridged. This this thing. There's actually quite a bit that happens here. There's, you know, there's this whole scene where where Two Bit and Steve come over to the house when uh, uh while they're at while uh Pony Boy's trying to cook breakfast and you know they make fun of his blonde hair and <laughs> we got the whole scene where you know Two Bit just sits like just sits down in front of the TV with a whole chocolate cake and a beer because Two Bit's amazing. Beer for breakfast, Two Bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's Emilio Estevez's uh, character, right? Yes. Okay. Two Bit is the greatest character. <laughs> He's amazing. <laughs> Hey, two bit Mickey's on TV. Hmm? <laughs> an entire chocolate cake. Yeah, and he, a beer. yeah. He is sitting there with a entire chocolate cake, a beer, watching Mickey Mouse on TV while wearing a Mickey Mouse T-shirt. It's beautiful. He's amazing, <laughs> <laughs> my man. And actually, I I actually like this scene because like you don't get a ton of Tom Cruise in this movie, Steve. No. You, the the most you really get from him is that scene that was cut out, and yeah. then you get a lot of him at the Rumble, which isn't yeah, really he's great scenes in the Rumble. Yeah, or great not, poses at least. Yeah, not really talking. It's really just him beating people up and then cheering. But, um, but I like this because yeah. we get a lot of two bit. We get a lot more. We, it's another character that we haven't really seen up until this point. But you get a mm-hmm. lot of him because while uh, Derry and Soda Pop go off to work he kind of hangs out with with a pony boy and you know they go to the hospital and visit 
Johnny. Visit Johnny. Yeah. I don't know why I keep spacing on his damn name, but just watch the damn movie. Because, <laughs> because you want to call him Ralph Macchio. Yeah, I mean, that, that is true. I want, You're I, thinking yeah. karate kid. You're like, Johnny, no, that's yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah Daniel-san. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> Wasn't Johnny... Wait, there was, the bad kid was Johnny, right? And, yeah, it was uh, Johnny Lawrence I mean, of the, the Cobra Kai Dojo. <laughs> the villain, yeah. No, the, the hero? You mean? Uh, well, <laughs> all right, yeah. I watch YouTube too, guys. That, that, that's another episode, folks. Hmm. No, it's not. <laughs> not. Not in this podcast. Maybe another time. The Billy Zapka podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they they go to the hospital and they visit Johnny, and you know they're, you know they're they're getting pretty upset because you know Johnny looks pretty bad. And then there's the scene where um, the nurse says that you know, hey, hey Johnny, your mom's here, and he's like, no, I don't, I don't want to see her, because that, that that's actually a point we they they kind of bring this up briefly where. Um, uh, when Dallas comes to pick them up at the church, mm. he keeps asking, like, you know, my parents ask about me. My parents ask about me. He's like, no, your parents didn't ask about you. And, but he, who and cares? Then, yeah, and then Dallas is like, but who cares? You know, my dad didn't give shit about me, and I don't care. And, you know, that's right there. It kind of shows a little. The boys are worried. Yeah. The boys. Your <laughs> yeah, real family. Your yeah. boys. But yeah, you really get. It's your boy. <laughs> <laughs> really get a really get a lot of what Dallas thinks is important in that scene. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, you know, Johnny starts to get upset that his mom said he's like, I don't want to see him. And then he passes out. Mm-hmm. And then there's this scene where, you know, uh, Tubit and Pony Boy kind of leave the room and Johnny's parents are there. And that's where Tubit kind of goes off on him. He's like, you know, you don't you don't care about him like you're, you're like, like what? What? Now that he's going to die is the only time you, get, you care about him. You didn't care about him your whole life. You get the hell out of here. Where is family and all that stuff? And I don't know. I, I really like Tubit. I like I like yeah. Tubit a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm he's glad they totally right in this yeah, scene. I'm glad they gave him this this little scene, so we get we get to know Tubit a little bit more. So Tubit also pretty pretty perfect and pure. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is also the part where he has the conversation with Ron from the socials. Is Randy. that correct? Oh, Randy. Randy. Okay, yeah. Randy. Yeah. So Pony Boy talks to one of the socials in his car, kind of alone, mm-hmm. and they sort of both make it very obvious that. They, they don't care about this. Randy is like, I know this doesn't matter. Yeah, um, uh, Randy. But it's kind of going to happen anyway. Yeah, Randy is Bob's best friend, and Bob is the the social that um, Johnny killed. And so they, you know, Tubit and uh, and Pony Boy are walking, and they see like this this Mustang with the socials in it come up, and they kind of think there's going to be like a problem, or whatever. Really, it's just Randy kind of wanting to talk to Pony Boy, and yeah, they both kind of talk about like. You know, this rumble's not going to, that's something uh, Randy says, you know, this rumble, it's not going to change anything. You know, at the end of the day, you're still going to be a greaser. I'm still going to be a soch. I'm still going to be the guy with all the breaks. And you, you're still going to be the greaser who can't get a break in life. And you know, you're the, the poor kids or whatever. So it's like, yeah, this whole thing's pointless. And, you know, Ponyboy kind of agrees with that. Yeah. But I think this is also one of the, I, he does this, I think, pretty consistently after the church. Um, he kind of pushes back on the whole idea of just calling people greasers and socias, and he's just like, it doesn't matter to me. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that's just, that's a big part people too. People on both sides, and we shouldn't be thinking of ourselves that way. Yeah, and actually, Randy does that a little bit too because I think he calls him a grease at some point. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, you'll just be a grease. And he's like, no, nah, I didn't. I didn't mean that. You, you just be some kid. And then you know, he's like, he, he introduces himself. He's like, I'm Pony Boy. It's like, oh, I'm Randy. And you know, at that point, it's like they're not a social and a grease. They're just two guys talking. And I think even you know, Pony Boy actually says that, doesn't it? Like, like what did that? What did what did what did Boss Soch once or something like that? And he's like, oh, he's an, he's not a Soch. He's just a guy who wanted to talk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and the um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he specifically Randy specifically references. Um, we get the idea that like he's read the newspaper article. Yeah. That like mm-hmm. that's maybe, you know. Of course, it sucks that Bob is dead, but that's part of what's influenced him, and what's influencing everybody right now is right is that the fact that yeah yeah he's gonna die because he tried to help these kids yeah, and I think actually that newspaper article is kind of the thing that really like wakes Randy up to this whole because he's like he's like yeah I couldn't believe a greaser would do that and then it's like oh wait had greaser. nothing to do with being yeah. a greaser yeah that's yeah. yeah that's what Pony was said had nothing to do with being a greaser and it's like oh yeah I mean just because you're a greaser I'm a soch you know we're just people we're we're really the same. Yeah. Yet so many of Lots them. Of good lines here. So yeah. many of them have so much trouble thinking outside of their class division. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm happy I'm happy because I actually when I, I at first I thought that this was a director's cut only scene too. I was happy that that this scene made the director's cut because this is a really good scene. But mm-hmm. it's like, not all the good scenes were cut out. But yeah, I think it's so, really good framing for feeling a little bit weird and conflicted about the rumble when it happens later. Yeah. 
let's let's talk about this rumble because again beautiful pretty beautiful tom cruise posing yeah and we'll get into this a little more in the (laughs) in the trivia section but uh yeah this rumble was uh was pretty well done and i think that's mostly because a lot of the punches thrown were real like there's a lot of (laughs) a lot of injuries that come out of this and i'll get into more specifics later but you know you can uh, one i will mention is that uh pony boy the actor who played him the first punch thrown knocked him out cold absolutely flattened <laughs> yeah and you know you don't really get to see him much in the rumble probably because he's unconscious like they i think they cut to people kicking him while he's on the ground <laughs> yeah like every once in a while but <laughs> way to go you, I mean, way you, to go francis ford was he suppo- was his character supposed to not be participating in this fight or did they just shoot around that I think they must have shot around because they had this whole scene where he convinces Derry to let him go to the fight and like he's mm. supposed to be in the fight and everything and like this is like his first big rumble or whatever and but yeah no I think I think they they got a little carried away in the fight and there was a lot of real punches thrown and one of them just knocks C Thomas Howell the fuck out wow. so that's hilarious and I don't I don't know if I don't know if they stopped filming and then you know that was just like an intentional thing is that he wasn't really going to be focused on or anything like that or if they just kept filming and they're just like uh some other people because he's not moving <laughs> I, I would I like mean, that, that would that would be hilarious because this could be a hard stage to scene you might just yeah. be like shit we need to do this right now yeah i mean i'd like to think they would have stopped if their star actor got knocked out but i mean who knows <laughs> no keep rolling this footage is gold <laughs> stay gold footage Um, but yeah no i mean that's funny because when i first saw this i was like oh this is such a great like you know this is another step in his journey right in any other movie this would be his coming of age moment where he becomes a greaser for real Mm -hmm. but he's just like he's been taken out of it and it's not just that he stayed home from the rumble but it's that he's there and he's in the thick of it and he just doesn't do anything he doesn't take place in the fight but i think it'd be hilarious if that is unintentional and he just got (laughs) knocked out and they just had to shoot around yeah just had to shoot all of tom cruise's beauty yeah, and do you think is, he, uh, do you think the director had to be like, yeah, just kick him? It's okay, just <laughs> kick him. We need this. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, this is a uh, the intro to this fight is Derry and the leader of the Socius talking, and this is kind of another thing where you kind of get where where I where I kind of think is implied that you know they would be Socius if things had turned out differently because you know this is a guy that Derry used to be friends with and they used to play football together in high school and you know really kind of came from the same group of people and then now they're on opposite sides of this little gang thing and you know it's just another thing like they seem like i don't know they i think they they've said something about that like they're like oh why why do they seem so chummy it's like oh they used to be friends and you know earlier in high school or whatever so yeah um we also get a lot of steve in this fight yeah this is tom cruise's moment to shine here it's great (laughs) There's, there's a lot of that um Tom Cruise and Patrick Swayze. The sequence. Oof. Yeah, well, we we got Oof. we we got a good bit of Derry of Patrick Swayze leading up to the fight. Oof, first, yeah. first of all, uh, yes. Was he shirtless leading up to it, or was he shirtless after? I don't no, know. He, he was putting on a really tight shirt. <laughs> he was, he was, oh, he was right. shirtling over the put, fence. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. There's there's a, there's a lot of gymnastics in this. You get Patrick Swayze doing his little handstand flip thing over the fence. You get a beautiful second, ten out of ten. You get a second uh, car hood flip by Tom Cruise. Uh-huh. So. Well, I think I think the uh, the lead up in the house is also interesting because it gives you a side of Derry that you don't see from most of the movie because Derry is very like straight laced for a lot of it and mm-hmm. like you see him sort of like make up with Pony Boy at some point but really like this is where you see him actually being a greaser and actually like getting it getting hyped up and into it with the rest of the guys which yeah like, I don't know just one of those t- scenes where. You get the feeling he doesn't have many opportunities to actually cut loose, and this is one of them. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that makes sense if you actually mm-hmm. think about you know the burden that's been put on him after his parents left. Like he has to yeah. take care of his brothers. You know, he's he can't be a kid anymore. That's that's the quick way to grow you up, right there. Yeah. So got yeah. all this stress, and I'm going to relieve it by beating the. I shit mean, maybe out of some rich maybe kids. that maybe that's why he looked thirty. Like you know, it aged him <laughs> super quick. Like that, that stress, man, it gets yeah. to you. Thirty, maybe but so. like with a perfect body. He <laughs> <laughs> looks so good in this. Oh, mm. oh yeah. <laughs> you do you doing okay, bud? <laughs> yeah, I'm just fine. That's great. Yeah, he's a great character. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
After the rumble, Dallas and Ponyboy go to visit Johnny and tell him about the fight, but he tells him that fighting won't solve anything before dying in his hospital bed. Dallas becomes angry about the tragic, unfair death of the young Johnny and runs away. He holds up a convenience store clerk with an unloaded gun, and then the police pursue him, believing him to be a dangerous criminal. As the rest of the greasers arrive at the location where the police have apprehended Dallas, they yell that he's holding an unloaded gun and is not a threat, but the police gun him down anyway. C-A-B. Hmm. <laughs> Ponyboy reads a letter from Johnny in the wake of the violence surrounding him, urging him that there's still a lot of good in the world, and that Ponyboy needs to keep encouraging people to look at the sunset and stay gold. This is a section where they cut out so goddamn much for the theatrical yes. cut. God, There's yes. a lot of stuff in here that they cut out that I think is Yeah. They, in they fact, really can should we, not have. I mean, can we tech can we explain the scene between the three brothers really quickly? Like I think that's important enough that I almost want to recap it before we talk about anything. Yeah, I I believe this happens after they find out Johnny died. Well, I, before I, the this, letter. This happens after, after Dally Dallas. Died. Yeah, after, after Dally yeah. died. Yeah, they're they're having dinner or whatever. And they kind of start fighting again. It really, it's really you know, Derry and Pony Boy kind of start to get into it and kind of get back into, you know, all that progress they made. Kind of just goes out the window. Mm-hmm. And then I think Derry just says Soda Pop's name at some point, and Soda Pop just freaks out. He's like, "Leave me out of it!" And just this runs time, out of the house. This time, Soda Pop's one to run away. Yeah. Come on, yeah. two bit. It's We're hilarious. leaving. I, We're leaving. You almost want the whole movie to restart right here, right? He's like, "We're gonna run away to the jungle gym." <laughs> Come on, two bit. Bring the cake. You gotta go to the church. <laughs> but, but yeah, but no. And then Derry and Ponyboy run after him, and they kind of collapse at the park, and they kind of have like this wholesome mm-hmm. like reconciliation, where they all just kind of like are all tearing up, and then you know, you know, hug it out, everything, and it just, I don't know, it just kind of symbolizes, you know, their families finally come together, and you know. Yeah. Through all this adversity, you know, they've actually become closer. And, you know, it's a really good scene. And I just, I, can't, I hate that they cut that out because that's such a good scene. It was very much the conclusion to that emotional arc with the whole family. Yeah, and for sure. You know what? That's why it didn't need to be there. You know, it was just taking up space in the movie. Mm. It's just, it's the thing that gave, because with, without that scene, what you have is that, like, they were fighting and then they go do their thing at the church, right? And then Pony Point comes back and they're just, like, really happy to see him alive and okay at the hospital. And then it's just, like, okay after that. Yeah, there is yeah. no emotional arc for the whole family. It just ends right there. And this is so much more perfect because it just right. shows them all growing to appreciate each other as yeah. characters. And yeah. Actually, being able to make it work, yeah, yeah, no, but yeah, th- this going back to when Johnny died, you know, this is another thing that we already kind of got with Pony Boy and Randy's conversation that you know how this fighting won't solve anything. And, you know, Johnny says that too. He's like, give, you know, Dallas is all hyped up. He's like, you know, we just won that fight. You know, mm-hmm. Johnny's gonna be so pumped. We just kicked the social's ass, and he's like, you know, fighting's not gonna do anything. You know, this all this fighting, it it doesn't solve anything, and then. Tells Ponyboy to stay old and then dies. Yeah. And then Dallas there, very broken up because he obviously doesn't know what to do. He yeah. thought the fight, winning the fight was something valuable. And then Johnny tells him it's useless and then he dies. Yeah. And I'm also kind of wondering if he think, if he kind of thinks that, you know, telling Johnny that they won this fight is going to be like that thing that, you know, just kind of well, yeah. gets Johnny, you know, maybe. Because, you know, that positive reinforcement, you know, right. you, you see that. A lot of movies is like this that positive reinforcement that's the thing that's going to make this you know sick or hurt person that's going to be their step that's right. going to be their positive thing to get them you know motivated to getting better and then he just dies because yeah. he says you know no fighting doesn't do anything and then he just dies mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's probably pretty rough on dallas well yeah and then dallas's mind like he's telling him yeah your family won we did something great and that's like your real family did this great thing and that's like the main motivator for dallas it mm-hmm. seems and I think I think he's also faced with the kind of reality of yeah that's not really everything. Mm-hmm. Clinging to these groups is going to cause more problems potentially, and I think he's just so far gone at this point that he can't deal with that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think we've just gotten these invoca- these indications throughout the whole movie that like he could have been on a good path, but like you said, he's just a little bit too far gone at this point and you know not to say that like being 17 like means that you're irredeemable or anything but it's no it does it absolutely you know i mean i I think people can experience this in real life like if you because in the end i I think dally um was believing that johnny was right Mm -hmm. you know but i think you can you know people experience these moments in their lives where they're like oh 
the way that I've thought about things always has been wrong. And I don't know any other way. I'm so far down this path. Mm-hmm. And you have this sense of hopelessness and despair, mm-hmm. you know, when you discover something new about the world. And for him, it wasn't enough to go commit suicide. I don't know if yeah. it was suicide by cop, really. I don't know if he was trying to get killed at the end there. I, he was I, definitely I, acting I, reckless. I feel like he didn't. I feel like if he was really trying to do suicide by cop, why would he call uh, Derry to come, you know, yeah. hide him? Cause why, he's like, why would he have run so far, too? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, but, you know, definitely acting recklessly. Well, yeah, I mean, I, he's distraught. Yeah, I mean, yeah, holds up, holds up a liquor store. Well, first he points a gun at a doctor. Yeah. And, you know, fires. It's empty, but, you know, he clicks the trigger and just starts maniacally laughing, kind of showing, I think, right there how much he kind of snapped. And then he just randomly holds up this, like, convenience store with the unloaded gun, gets shot by the, uh, by the guy running the place. Listen, this is just your normal grieving process. It's Everyone really does not. this. And what? You you haven't had someone close to you die, and then you go wave an unloaded gun at cops. Uh, I don't know how to be kind and vulnerable. <laughs> I have to rob a liquor store instead. Yeah, they actually they actually cut a little bit out of this scene too. A little bit of uh, the other greasers' reaction to to Dally being shot is something I didn't I didn't realize they cut out. Like, there's this whole like big thing where like you know. Patrick Swayze is just like yelling at the car, like, no, it's the gun was unloaded. Well, you fucking killed him. Like you freaks or something like that. Like he's yeah. just like screaming at him and they really cut that out. And I don't know the theatrical, theatrical cut is just like Dally dies and there's like no grieving. Dally dies. And then it could just cut straight to it, pony boy yeah. sitting there, which is powerful in its own way, but it misses out on a lot of everything else that's built into the yeah, director's but, cut of it. Yeah, and, and I feel like it's so much more awkward what the letter says. In this well, context. yeah, yes. but it's like, oh, God, you, yes. you miss, you miss, the the greasers reaction to him being shot and you know you see all of them you know two bit steve all of them are there and all of them are like distraught that they just you know saw these cops like gun down their friend or whatever and then you have that whole dinner dinner scene we talked about with with dairy soda pop and pony boy and you know that's just after they just lost johnny they just lost dally mm-hmm. and you know everything they're just so upset and stressed and that's when the tension boils over and that's when all that happens like you just miss all that with the theatrical cut and i don't know i just it didn't work as well for me yeah, yeah, I think so for sure. And don't we also we miss um, a scene with Cherry here? At the yes, end too, right? I forgot yeah. about that. I think yeah. that's kind of important. Yeah, there's a there's this there's the scene at high school where and earlier in the film Cherry does say something because they kind of bonded at the movie mm-hmm. theater and it's like you know if I see you in school and I don't talk to you, you know, don't take it personally. And Pony Boy's like, yeah, I get it or whatever. Like he's like, okay. Um, and then we kind of get that here at the high school is him and Cherry start talking, but then Cherry's friends come up. And, you know, hey, Cherry, come on. And she just, like, turns around and leaves and just, like, stops talking to him. And it's like, it just kind of shows that, you know, nothing really changed. Yeah. And, you know, I I might even have a slightly more optimistic take than that. But, but yeah, definitely it's, you know, to me, I think Pony Boy and his family are supposed to be kind of this ray of hope at the end. Mm. Um, And that that is just an acknowledgement that it's going to be hard work and it could be slow progress and it's mm. not like everything's going to magically be better yeah also dally dying is also acknowledgement of that <laughs> well yes yeah and then we uh then we get this letter that it was, uh, a lot of this letter it's a great letter but <laughs> oh no a lot of this letter is is him telling pony boy that he needs to tell dallas to like you know, he needs to appreciate life or anything. Because if he doesn't, something bad's going to happen. And dude <laughs> just died. And it's like, it's like maybe when you were dying, instead of saying stay gold, which he says in the damn letter. So it was an un- unnecessary redundancy there. Maybe just open the book. Read There's the a letter in there. <laughs> no, wait, but I've got this really cool idea for my last words. Stay gold. Tell Dally life is worth it. <laughs> or he could have just turned to Dally, who was standing next to him, and been like, life, life is, is worth, worth it. it. It gets better, Dally. It really does. Bleh. Go find your own burning church. Yeah, and we, we, get another, we get another one of these kind of weird, kind of dated scenes where you have you have like a superimposed image of Ralph Macchio yes. reading the letter. And then when they start talking about Dally, they cut over to the superimposed image of Dally laughing. <laughs> the laughing and part just kills me. It's, 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 a little, it's a little cheesy and really 80s. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like even further back than 80s, but eh, that may just I mean, this age. was like early 80s, so maybe it was still That's borrowing true. a little from the 70s. But. <laughs> But yeah, this was early '80s. Yeah, it's like '83, I think. Just came off of the Godfather. 
which did great because he had so much creative control over it and they wouldn't let him have his whole two hour movie. Hey, the teenagers, they won't get it. (laughs) Yeah. This is a, yeah, they were saying like, this is, this is right after, you know, the big success with the Godfather and everything. And then he decided to pivot to these. um, He does two, uh, Essie Hinton is the author of the outsiders. He does two adaptations of her works back to back uh, this and then Rumblefish right after it. Um, which I think also stars Matt Dillon and Diane Lane. Yeah, they reconciled. Oh, that's 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 yeah, lovely. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess I guess with that we, we'll go and get into the unless you guys have any more we can go and get into the trivia section. And yes, you say so must a day to fade away. One thing I want to I want to start off with I don't think I mentioned this was the, the way Francis Ford Coppola like worked with these kids to like make them you know act properly like like these two gangs fighting is he treated them different and he had the entire crew treat them different like the actors who played the associates were in really nice hotel rooms and everything and then they shoved all the greasers in like this little shitty motel mm-hmm. um, the the associates got better food served to them while they were working even like the quality of the scripts they got the associates were all leather bound and nice and then the um, the greasers just got this like loose leaf paper that was like held together with like binder rings and stuff like that. And it's just like stuff like that. And th- that kind of m- made some real tension between these actors and Diane Lane and Matt Dillon, like fucking hated each other. <laughs> like at the beginning of this film, which you can really see in that movie scene, mm-hmm. like that tension between them. It's like, it's real. They did not like each other at all. And I guess they eventually, reconciled because yeah. you know they, i think they just start in a movie right after this where they were i think they were love interest maybe, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure i don't really know too much about rumblefish but um i do know that like it it took them a it took them a minute but they well, sure. they eventually reconciled but that's what we were talking about with this rumble is i i think that kind of had something to do with <laughs> it too like, these kids hated each other and some of those fake punches weren't fake because that uh see thomas howell wasn't the only one to get hurt like a lot, quite a yeah. few people got hurt. Uh, I know Tom Cruise. He he got punched in the jaw, and he had to get dental work done. <laughs> wow! After after that, after that. and oh, I so, can't remember. So, there was somebody. There was somebody else. I can't remember. Someone else got hurt too. I think someone like broke their thumb. So at this point, did, did Coppola just say, uh, "Yeah, you know, instead of doing uh, like stage acting, just actually beat the shit out of each other. Just go to town." I mean, it it seems like he would have had to if they knocked out see thomas howell right yeah I mean, well i mean or at the very least didn't care that they actually started doing it right beautiful <laughs> but yeah no that i mean that that fight it would look pretty good yeah, yeah no, I, it was great I, it's I thought a, it was, kind of a cool action scene in the yeah movie. and yeah no but jesus dude <laughs> <laughs> look you do what you gotta do to get the good shots yeah, yeah, here, yeah. Here it is. Right, I got got at the IMD trivia up, up right here. Yeah, Tom Cruise accidentally socked in the jaw and needed dental work the following day, and the Tulsa dentist has a picture of him and the young actor together in his <laughs> office. <laughs> that's, that's so good. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, and this is a. Uh, I mean, Tom Cruise does run in this film. Get that out. Of we get out of the uh, way here. And this is also the first time we get to see uh, Tom Cruise perform his own stunts. Oh yeah, and I assume inspired some by uh, Crazy Swayze. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he he does. Um, in the theatrical version, it's only one, but in the good version that you all should watch if you haven't seen this movie already, <laughs> in the complete novel director's cut version, he does two flips off the hood of a car, and he was taught how to do this because it actually looks pretty damn good. Yeah, mm-hmm. Good form and everything. He was taught to do until the landing. Well, <laughs> d- didn't quite get the rotation down, but you know, he, he's not a gymnast like Patrick Swayze, who was the one who coached him on how to do this. And it's kind of funny because he, there was a, there. I guess before the one he did before the Rumble, he was nervous about it, and because he had eaten so much uh, in his last meal, I guess they had actually gotten good food for once, and he he ate so much and he was nervous about it. And the the author of the book, S.E. Hinton had a solution to that which was to eat a shit ton of raw eggs until he threw up to make himself feel lighter and he 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 ate all those raw eggs threw up and then did the flip (laughs) wow (laughs) but uh yeah you get you get a little bit of we talked about a little bit you get a little bit of swayze gymnastics in there and then you get a little bit of tom cruise gymnastics so yeah yeah here's the start of the long line of films where tom cruise does 
stunts that progressively get more and more insane. Ah, uh, yes. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait to talk about a few of them again. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, apparently that, that scene at the drive-in where Dally falls out of the chair was completely accidental. All, the, um, all them laughing was, was actually a, laughing at yeah, Matt Dillon. Yeah, I, I didn't notice this. Apparently, Ponyboy looks at the camera. <laughs> I, I, I didn't actually notice that, but that that's pretty great. I, I like that a lot. Oh yeah, and the some of the other actors who were in contention: uh, Francis Ford Coppola's nephew Nicholas Cage. Uh, he auditioned for the role of Dairy or Dally, and his uncle's <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, when you can get Swayze. Sorry. I mean, that Can't is true. Yeah, yeah Matt Dillon actor. and Patrick Swayze. You know. Uh, I mean, Matt Dillon did a great job with it. Oh, yeah, you know what? No. Sorry. So if Nicolas Cage was in the role as Dally, things would have gotten weird. Hmm. I probably on, still would have loved boy. it. Oh, no, not the bees. <laughs> pony boy, I'm a cat. Yeah, and apparently... Hey, uh, I'm a gravy cat. Let's see. Uh, What's a gravy cat? <laughs> never heard of that before i had no idea well we almost didn't get matt dillon because dennis quaid was actually offered the role oh and he turned it down to star in a in a different movie we also almost had sarah jessica parker as cherry instead of diane lane interesting uh good switch there i think yeah good call Uh, (laughs) on all accounts oh okay (laughs) shots fired sorry sarah jessica parker if you're listening to this but uh you're not a we good know, actress. You know what you did. <laughs> we just lost all of our listeners who are Sarah Jessica Parker. I think 50% of our remaining audience. <laughs> yeah, I'll be okay. I'm okay with that. Don't make Samantha mad, Oh, guys. wow. Mickey Rourke auditioned for the role of Derry. Oh, really? Oh, oh God. <laughs> I'm really glad they went with Swayze. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Another little trivia thing that I think is is incredible to me was the ages of the actors. Ralph Macchio looks about 10 in this movie but he's the second oldest actor after patrick swayze yes because patrick swayze is like 27 and then he's like 21 and then the rest of them are their teens i think matt Dillon and rob lowe had turned 18 during the filming and then everyone else was like in their teens but ralph macchio he looks the youngest to me he looks i know he's supposed to be the second i think pony boy's the youngest but mm-hmm. he just looked like such a little kid he, he really is a little baby face in this movie but I mean, you know, I guess that's just, like he does Karate Kid after this movie, and he still looks like a high school kid. And at that point, he's like twenty three, twenty four. He was twenty three in Karate Kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, ah, I guess he he's just got one of those young faces. I guess I don't know. Yeah. And young body types because he's very tiny. He does have a voice that like kind of can sound like a kid, but it's not necessarily like a high pitched kid's voice. You know? It's yeah. Kind of raspy. This is a pretty successful movie, a $10 million budget, pretty low budget. It ended up uh, making $33.7 million, so, yeah, solid film there. And I think I think general consensus is that this is a pretty good movie. Yeah, this has definitely had the most cultural impact of all of the movies Tom Cruise has been in so far. True. Well, I, so, well. Are you sure not Endless Love? It's, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I do want to bring up one other person who was apparently considered for the role of Johnny. Hmm. Scott Bayo. Mm. It would have been a very different movie, I think. Yeah, wasn't he Chachi? <laughs> <laughs> Was he? I, d- I don't know enough of Scott Bayo's uh, his work, honestly. Let's find out. <laughs> I'm a millennial. I don't know these things. If oh, I yeah. don't know, I'll just be like, wasn't he like in Cheers at some point? Oh, yeah, in that's uh, oh, Brooke Shields. Was, uh, Brooke Shields actually also turned down the role of Cherry. You know, I'm okay with that too. Yeah. No. You know, Diane Lane maybe a little better than Brooke Shields. Diane Lane did a good job. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, she went on to actually have a pretty successful acting career, too, after this movie. But uh, yeah, th- this is the first movie in probably the biggest year Tom Cruise has ever had in terms of movies. He had four movies come out in 1983. He had this, Risky Business, Losing It, and All the Right Moves. And this is also his last supporting role in a film until we get to Magnolia in 1999. So this is kind of, this is the last little bit we're going to get of Tom Cruise not being the star of the film. And yeah, so this is, this enjoy, enjoy the supporting role of Tom Cruise. You're not going to see it very often after this. Scott Bale was chachi. (laughs) (laughs) 
God damn it. I remember that for political reasons. Oh, Timothy Hutton was considered for the role of Pony Boy. Gee, really? Was Tim- Timothy yeah. Hutton not in this? What is he in that we've watched? He's, he was in Taps. He's okay. the main character of Taps. Oh, right. He was considered go. for the 14-year-old Pony Boy. Judd Nelson was considered <laughs> for the role of Dallas. Oh, that's it. Because Anthony Michael Hall was considered for the role of Pony Boy. This could have just been a really weird version <laughs> of The Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now I'm just imagining an ending with that song. Molly Ringwald as Cherry Valance. And or just like, Emilio Estevez is already in this damn movie, yeah. so there we go. Just Dally getting shot at the end and then, don't you <laughs> forget about me. You know what? I would watch the shit out of that movie. Oh, I would, I would. I've never seen The Breakfast Club, and I never will. No oh regrets. Oh, my God. No never regrets. Never seen The Breakfast Club? No regrets. <laughs> well, when we do our Emilio Estevez my parents cast, made me watch we'll, it. we'll watch The Breakfast <laughs> Club. It's one of those movies where like, I've seen a lot of like pieces of it. And then I've watched, like, not another teen movie a lot. So I feel yeah. like I get the general idea. It is, and this may be controversial, because I know a lot of people love John Hughes stuff. It is the only good John Hughes movie I've seen. <sighs> I, I haven't seen no really John any other movies. I've seen that one, and Sixteen Candles, and Pretty in Pink. Yeah. I haven't seen Pretty in Pink other... and Sixteen Candles, I did not enjoy at all. So, Breakfast Club. If you, if you haven't seen Breakfast Club, go watch that. <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> I will not. Oh. And that's all we have on The Outsiders. If you liked this episode, make sure to rate us five stars on iTunes and make sure to check out our Facebook and Twitter at Cruising It Pod for info on upcoming episodes and general news. Join us next time when we watch Tom Cruise's first leading role in Losing It. I'm Donovan Bruce. I'm Andrew Mount. Uh, social media is toxic. Don't follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, delete your social media. Um, if you want to uh, see uh, this and other podcasts that we do, uh, visit our website at gcatsmedia.com. That's G as in gravy, catsmedia.com. Once again, gcatsmedia.com. And I'm Mason Kuzmich. You, I mean, social media is toxic, but we're not. So you should follow just us. Just follow us. And that is on Twitter, at least at cruisinitpod at c r u i s i n i t p o d. Come check us out. And you've been listening to Cruising It. Stay gold, Pony Boy. Welcome to Cruising It, the podcast where we watch and discuss all of Tom Cruise's films in chronological order. I'm your host, Donovan Bruce, and with me, as always, is Andrew Mount. Hey, dude. Oh, fuck. God. <laughs> Start it over. Fucking damn Sorry. it. I just feel self-conscious about you know what? Dry back. and full of spit now. You know what? I'm not going to do any of our intro mess-ups as stingers. I'm going to comp- make a big compilation release no. them as their own episode. No. Oh, it'll, be, it'll be great. It'll be one of the premium episodes. <laughs> It'll be a page, Patreon only episode. <laughs> just go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> Can we just release that as our first episode? <laughs> All of our mess